Welcome to Topple Uncaged. I'm Steve Topple and you're locked on to the UK's hottest politics and music podcast. Each week I bring you the rawest takes on the big stories making the news, always joined by a very special guest. Then I pleasure your mind, body and soul with the freshest, most banging international music going. Uncaged. I shall sing as long as I live. Sing this reggae music, and as long as I live, I shall sing, sing for my people. Another day has come. I open my eyes and I stare at the sun. I get up out of bed and then I stretch and I yawn. Thank you for his blessings, all the words you perform. Oh my goodness. My guest on today's show has just released probably one of the most exciting EPs of the year. I sat down to put this on and I was absolutely blown away. Not least because it is a slight departure from her previous track she's released, but just the quality of her voice and the quality of the reduction and arrangement on this is absolutely stunning. I know I say this a lot, listeners, but it's because I only have the best guests on this podcast and this will be for me one of the records of the year. I'm so excited to speak to her because she's right up my street vocally and musically as well. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to welcome onto the podcast Sharita. Sharita, thank you so much for coming on. I am genuinely excited to be able to speak to you about your EP. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here and talking about the project with you. Thank you so much. Now, this EP, Sharita, Conversations in Key, my goodness, um, I've where to begin with it. It is an absolutely stunning, stunning debut. Um, it, it, the thank kind you. Of, no problems kind of to give an overview i mean all the all the elements are there if you like the production is top quality um obviously because you're you're with ghetto youths international so it's mm-hmm. going to be top quality the arrangements are absolutely superb songwriting and lyricism is brilliant but it is your voice which stands out it absolutely blew me away i mean just to Thank talk you. Just to talk through some of the tracks for for the listeners at home, um, the EP opens with Don't Fail Me Now, which is this stunning kind of classic R&B ballad mm-hmm. with, with a stripped back piano line, which allows your voice to take complete centre stage. But what you do so masterfully in it, and we'll come on to this a bit later, is you give this wonderfully controlled performance throughout it. It, it kind of it builds almost to this crescendo and this powerhouse climax, and you do effortless flipping between your chest and your head voice and it it put, it put me in mind the Gladys Knight actually the way you have you're in full full control of your voice throughout it it's absolutely powerhousing performance you then go Thanks. into conversation which is this kind of funky soul track and then you, you break out into Sing Jay in the middle of it yeah. which is like wow <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you do a mean Sing Jay as well you spit like the best of them Sharita <laughs> That was great. Then there's the wonderful duet with Siobhan, which is Can't We Stay, which is back to kind of R&B ballad territory. But within it, you do do more complex vocal riffs. And Siobhan with you, he immediately put me in mind of Brian McKnight, by the way, straight away when I heard it. Um, he, his and your voice complement each other beautifully. And your harmonies, it, it, it's, the harmonies are almost like you have double layered the track. They are so yeah. perfectly in time with each other. It's just a joy, joy to listen to that track with the duet with... Uh, 
Madame Siobhan. Then we're going to sometimes, and what I found with that and what struck me about sometimes is it's this gorgeous composition because there's this wonderful bit which appears several times in it where the chord change goes to the um sixth and the root of the chord yeah. and it's, it, it takes you kind of a bit by surprise because you're not expecting yeah. it but, but then it works perfectly um absolutely yeah. delicious little little musical device in there woman to woman then is completely different it's almost uh it's kind of two-step r&b and it brought back right. memories for me of um rodney dark child jerkins um yeah, but yeah. what you've done is brought it smack bang into 2019 because there's less of the emphasis on the bass line and more of emphasis on the instrumental arrangements but then with that same kind of percussive kind of two-step mm-hmm. uh, two-step effect and then the EP finishes off with Hay which is just this fantastic sort of anthemic gospel soul lace track um with this kind of almost marching marching beat on the drums um and and you kind of flip it into a sort of almost rock territory at points um just absolutely absolutely gorgeous and the whole project sharita it's just mind-blowing it's absolutely fantastic you should be so proud of what you've achieved with it really because it it absolutely it took me by surprise i have to say and it absolutely blew me away so it's it's absolutely phenomenal i have to say Thank you very, very much. It's a wonderful synopsis of the whole thing. I could, I couldn't have done it better. Really, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You really got it. <laughs> Thank you. I try my best because I, I, I like to, I like to properly listen. Do you know what I mean? I don't just hear something. I do try and listen yeah. to it. I mean, how long has conversations in key been in the making? Because it's such a complex, complex piece of work and project. Um, but was it one of these pieces which just kind of came together, as it were, magically, or, or has it been a long time in the planning and making for you? Uh, well, when it started, there wasn't actually a conversations in key. It was really uh, just a bunch of songs mm. that I had, and I knew that I wanted to put something out. So. Some songs are as far back as, I think, 2015, I think. Um, Can We Stay was written in 2015. Um, and it was just a song I had with Siobhan. We just never really did anything with it at the time. Mm. And I think Woman to Woman came, what, it was about 2016. Uh, a few of the songs were, were newer, but it was just songs I had. And then I met Sean Diedrich, who is a co-producer on the, the project. He's a Grammy-winning producer mm. with... Um, Damon Marley and he also plays in a band because I tour with Damon Marley and when we met up you know I, I we, we had we found very good chemistry with each other where music was concerned and we started you know playing each other's tracks and so on so he even ended up he was he was the one that produced Conversation it was his track mm. that actually that song was written in a heartbeat because I went to Miami for rehearsals and he, he sent me some tracks and I heard that one I just started writing I had rehearsal to go to like in five minutes and I finished <laughs> the demo and everything before I went out to go to rehearsal. so you know it was just it was just songs that just came together at different points in time and then I said I wanted to do a project and we did songs and um, it was, nothing was clear at the beginning. Okay. Because, you know, sometimes as a part of the musical journey, especially I, I, well, for me, the musical process, the creative process can be so confusing sometimes because I just want to do stuff and then sometimes you don't see where people are going to understand and you kind of get bogged down by those thoughts. So, you know, we just pushed through and then eventually I found the name of the when I looked at the the collection of songs that we chosen, I found a name for it, and then funny enough, conversations ended up being the last 
song on the EP. And how that happened was, um, Can We Stay, which was, it was supposed to be a, a piano track at first, and Sean insisted, no, he wanted to play guitars on it. Mm. And he sent it to a guitarist, a great guitarist, Dan Warner, who unfortunately passed away yesterday. I'm still, you no know, shaking up by Yeah. And when he when Dan played on the song and sent it back to me, I remember I was driving in St. Mary on one Friday night and I couldn't believe what he had done with it. I was in tears. I was mm. screaming. I was laughing, everything at once. And when that song came, it, it meant that I had to take one of the other songs that I had on it off because okay. it just didn't fit anymore. And then Sean reminded me about this song that we had called Conversation. And then that came onto the project. So, and that, 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 at that point, everything was sealed up. So it was, uh, it took about, uh, let's see, four years in all, mm. but seriously concentrating on putting the project together took about two years. I mean, it shows you t- you took that time over it because it, yeah. every element of it is top class. It it really Thank really you. is um, fantastic. But you're not um, you haven't come from nowhere, as it were, at all. I mean, you re- mm-hmm. you've released a, a few tracks prior to this, but your yeah. grounding in the music industry is is very very solid, isn't it? Because you've you've been you've been treading your path to this point for many many years. I mean, just tell me. I know you've you, <laughs> I've been I've been doing my reading up on you. And actually, uh-huh. your kind of musical journey is quite complex and it's very multifaceted yeah. and there's a lot, yes. lot going on. So I'm presenting you with the challenge, Sharita, of summing up your musical <laughs> journey for the listeners, if you can. I mean, where, where did this all, all begin, however many years ago, for you? When did, when did you first start singing, I suppose? And then how did we get to this point? 2019, Conversations in Key. I have been singing for our, almost all my life. My parents told me that when my sister when, and I, when we were babies... We used to scream a lot in the house. And my mom used to say, those girls are going to be able to sing. And my father's <laughs> like, no. But you know, we grew up, I grew up in, I call it a semi-musical home. Because my mom, she has a beautiful voice. She doesn't actually use it much, though. And my father can hold a note. My grandmother, his mom, she sings. I have a few other singers in the family. I play keyboards and sing, play a few other instruments. My sister plays the bass and a few other instruments, and she sings. And then I grew up in church. And the whole, I had a whole um, selection of some of Jamaica's greatest musicians and singers around me. I grew up with them. They not only played in church, but they played for a lot of the stars in, mm. in Jamaica, a lot of reggae stars. And, um, you know, I, I, music was always there. In high school, I was a part of the steel band and a few other music groups. But I wasn't clear on what I wanted to do with music up until I defied my parents and left sixth form one year early and went to Edamanley College. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I, and which... <laughs> I didn't even finish Edna Manley because before I could get very far in it, I actually started doing all the work I went to college to learn. Okay. So Edna Manley, um, thanks to a friend of mine at the time, I met Dean Fraser, Mikey Bennett, and um, I, later on I met Donovan Germain. But it was Mikey Bennett um, who, at his studio Grafton, it was, that was the first studio that I did, started doing backing vocals in. Mm. And from there, you know, Dean Fraser frequented the studio. He still does. And he heard a track that I had done backing vocals on and I met him from there and started working with him. And then from there, he had me to work with Taurus Riley and I worked with him for a couple of years. I toured with Diana King, um, Dwayne Stevenson, Gentleman, mm. uh, essentially. And then finally, Damian Marley. 
And with Donovan Jeremy, and I was around Penthouse for a while. Still, I'm there. I'm still family. But that's where I actually started doing hands-on work as a studio engineer. Started learning how to use Pro Tools and the board and everything. And, you know, that prompted me to, to because I was doing so much work in, in studio to set up my, my own home studio, where is, which is where I work from now. And in the time I've worked with, wow, it's probably easier for me to say who I haven't worked with. <laughs> I think of anybody right now. But um, I've done songs for everybody. Chronics, Taurus. I've written for Taurus as well. I've written for Etana, um, Warrior Love, and another song called Trigger. And um, in terms of songs I've done, popular songs I've done back in vocals on Chronics, Never Give Up. And um, I've done Taurus Riley, Give Me a Little One Drop, and Don't Come Back. Uh, Sasko, Agent Sasko yeah, yeah. is winning right now. Nesbeth, um, My Dream. Every time I do this, my mind goes blank because there are literally <laughs> so many songs. It's literally hundreds of songs. Probably I'm probably close to a thousand if I haven't passed it yet. I stopped counting years ago. Bloody so I'm doing quite a bit of work. And now it was just, I felt like, okay, I've, I, I, I now know what I want to say as an artist. I know what I want to to express what I want to create and, you know, working with Sean too has helped me to, to gain some confidence in terms of production and, and, and what I really want to do. Cause he always says I have a very unconventional approach to production and he says it's a, it's an asset and I wasn't sure about it before, but, you know, working with him has helped me to develop that. And that's where, you know, putting these songs together and actually coming into the spotlight, so to speak, as an artist at the forefront, that's how that door opened. And Conversations in Key is my first um, attempt at production. I did pretty much all the tracks except um, except Conversation. There were demos or ideas that I actually played or, you know, did beats for. Hey, aside from the key- keyboards and the guitars and I think a few other things, I did all the instrumentation for that other than, other than those two main instruments. So it's, it's just been a journey of, you know, meeting wonderful people, being fortunate and you know, new experiences and new skills gained along the way. And that's what brings me to Conversations in Key. Good grief. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my my first impression is actually, the sort of first thought that sprang to my mind was, you've you've put the graft in over the years. You've done it in sort of almost this very traditional way. Do you know what I mean? Do you know, starting out sort of um, singing in in choirs and singing at home and then training properly and then put, putting earning your stripes almost doing backing vocals and working for other artists and it's it's kind of classic fairy tale um yeah, musician yeah. do you know what yeah. i mean it's it's kind of yeah, it's exactly that kind of thing um and i mean i'm so thrilled you're to this point i just i just want to pick up on something what mm-hmm. what do you mean unconventional production i'm fascinated by that what what do you do that's unconventional in terms of your producing um I've... Probably he'd be better at explaining what oh, okay. exactly he means. I just know that I, when I go in, I just something that I like, sounds that I like, I just work with them. And apparently, I don't know if it's because I don't have, I don't know, it, probably being an amateur is like beginner's luck, so to speak, and mm. just trying new things. And apparently, it's not how everybody does it. So, <laughs> and I really don't care. I'm not concerned what people think. I just do what I want to do. And so, <laughs> I guess. 
I guess that's all you probably explained. Look, I mean, there's it may be unconventional, but it damn well works, Sharita. Because <laughs> Thank you. Your, your EP is testament to that. So wow, absolutely fascinating. I, I love hearing little chinks of stories like that. It's brilliant. You mentioned you mentioned um, in your in your um, telling of your journey, obviously that you did backing for Taurus Riley, friend of this show, who was on a couple of weeks ago. He's great. He's so much fun. Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> He's absolutely amazing. I had a blast speaking to him. Um, and, and lots and lots of work for other artists in terms of songwriting and backing vocals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, was it... I asked... Um, Kumar, Kumar of who was in yeah. Raging Fire. I asked him a similar question many months ago because quite my perception would be that if when you're either part of a group or when you're in a kind of family, as it were, <laughs> the transition to then being a solo artist and the the sole focus, if you like, must be maybe yeah. sometimes hard. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But was it was it were there challenges with transitioning for you as a person from being sort of in a in the almost community with work? when you work with people like Taurus Riley, um, to then suddenly you're now centre stage and it's, it, mm-hmm. it's about you. How, how was that for you? Definitely challenging because there is a safe space when somebody else has to take, you know, has to be in the spotlight and they have the responsibility of being entertaining and all these things. And so you can get very comfortable in that, in that enclosure, so to speak. And I know a lot of my friends who... Um, who started out like I did doing backing vocals and so on, they, a lot of them have not, they have dreams or they say they have dreams of going, you know, on their own, but they've not been able to make the transition because it's so, it can be so daunting to just step into the light and have all these responsibilities. It's not even just performing. It's, it's having to organize things and not be responsible for, to some extent for, you know, keeping people employed and, and entertaining people it's it's a lot of work and the more I come into it is the more I understand the responsibility that comes along with it and I have to be mentally pacing myself so I don't get too overwhelmed at any point in time but I'm up for it so I'm sure I'll work it out uh, yeah, no, I, th- I, th- I think that's very, very interesting, about, especially about mentally pacing, because it, it, it must be slightly overwhelming at points suddenly that there, there must be moments of clarity when it kind of dawns on you that, oh, my gosh, um, yes. I, I, I'm, I'm like now the centre of it all. Um, yeah, I went through, I had a moment like that about two days ago. OK. I just went, oh, my goodness, this is real. <laughs> but I just meditated and. It's some deep breathing, and I think I'm okay again. <laughs> you sound fine. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> So I, I want to come back to conversations in key because um, yeah. I could talk about it all night. Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's kind of a predominantly, I suppose, R and B soul record. Um, it, it, mm-hmm. It's kind of it 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 unashamedly leans that way, um, which I find mm-hmm. delightful. I absolutely love it. But <laughs> there are distinct tinges of other genres in it, and your back catalogue of tracks you've released so far um, are quite mm-hmm. often predominantly sort of reggae inspired inspired tunes, like um, Reggae is Life, like last time you hear the mm-hmm. while they're not they're not sort of generic kind of roots um per se yeah. but you hear you you hear that they're, they're based in the kind of roots root genre with the bubble pattern going on in the right. and the kind of percussive arrangements and guitar arrangements etc etc et um so you've kind of, i mean you kind of 
<laughs> you, you surprised when I flicked the EP on. I was really surprised because hearing your back catalogue and then coming to this point, um, uh-huh. where it's predominantly R and B soul, I was really surprised. <laughs> nicely surprised. Don't get me wrong, um, because it's great to see the expanse of what you're capable of doing. But you're obviously then extremely eclectic, and your your kind of upbringing and your musical journey also points to that eclecticism. I mean, where does right. this where does this come from? Is it a reflection of your own tastes in terms of that you 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 have an affinity with reggae, but also with sort of soul and R and B, or is it you like to experiment? What's what's this eclecticism about, Sharita? I I like anything that moves me, anything that that gives me, you know, whether just evokes some emotion, you know, that really connects to to whatever I'm feeling at any point in time. And I find that with all genres. Uh, this project in particular, I've been doing reggae for a while, but it was primarily because uh, because that's what is here in Jamaica. That's what's really readily available in terms of what producers do predominantly here. Mm. But I've I'm I'm very much into ballads and 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 you know even acoustic kind of vibe because for me I'm a storyteller through music and sometimes you get to tell the story better that way. So I'm not really concerned with genres per se. I'm just more interested in whatever tells the best story or what helps to tell the best story. So for for, for conversations in key it was more of a this is what I hear in my head and this is what I'm going to do. I wasn't really thinking about it not being reggae. As a matter of fact, there was a reggae track on it, but it was so, <laughs> it was so uh, raw almost in terms of just how I expressed the story I was telling. Okay. And that was the song that had to come off when Conversations in Key came back. No, sorry, when uh, Can We Stay, sorry, came back. And, you know, it was just, this is a story I needed to tell right now. So I have other tracks, reggae, I have country and western, all sorts of songs still on my hard drive uh, to be released, but this is just what the story of that this is a music that conversations in key needed. So influences from every genre, I just go with whatever feels best to me. So does that influence how you, the songwriting process thing? I'm always fascinated by this with artists. So if you say it's, it comes from more inspiration and you're not co- so concerned about the genre, then does, it, mm-hmm. does a song start with an idea and a message and a story first and then everything comes else afterwards? Is that how it works for you? Sometimes. It, it, it happens in different ways. Um, for example, like, as I said, with conversation, Sean sent, Sean sent me the track. And because of that, it was just, this is what came out of me. It's like, yeah, I need to sing something really, like, you know, confident and, you know, just really upbeat and funky on this. So that that happened. But, for example, Don't Fail Me Now, I was listening to, I don't know what I was listening to. I was watching some nonsense on some streaming service. And I heard, I don't remember if it was a sound or a chord that was played. And things just started happening in my head. I think the first thing that came to mind was don't fail me now. Just those lines just kept coming. Don't fail me now. All I asked is please don't fail me now. And then I found then I line after that because on my own I might lose my way somehow. And I was like, ooh, what's the story? What's the story? And then I told and then I started writing the song. I finished writing it in a very short space of time. And then I was trying to figure out how, how do I tell the story? So I, was, I tried it with some drum beats and nothing really felt right. So I just said, let's go piano. Sean can figure it out if he, if he needs to. Um, and then sometimes it's just 
the story that just leads into to whatever needs to be said. For example, woman to woman, um, it started out with me playing chords, just some random progressions, and then I started telling the story. Like, I and a friend of mine was going through a situation, and I decided to flip her story and write the song. And then I said, oh, I can put it on these chords. And then when I did that, I was like, no, this, this is not something that's solid because she's not really sorry. So we got to add some punch to it and, and that kind of thing. And that's how it, it grew from there. So it, it happens in so many different ways. I can't even tell you that there is one main thing that happens. However it happens, I just work with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Go and grab yourself a tea, coffee, or any other refreshment you want because me and Sharita will be back with more fantastic chat in just a few seconds. Also, what, of course, is the main standout feature of the EP for me is your voice. I mean, listening to it as... I, I should probably shed some light for you. I'm I, I'm a trained musician myself. I trained in classical oh. singing, singing and oh. piano and double bass many, many years ago when I was a child. Ended up being a journalist. Not sure how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I trained many years ago as a classical singer. So I'm and the, again, it's what drew me to you immediately. It was your voice, obviously. Um, it's this wonderful, wonderful instrument which immediately indicates to me that you've had some form of training, not least because the 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 richness of your voice shows that you're breathing from your diaphragm and and from mm-hmm. the bottom of your lungs because you you can hear when singers aren't singing um yeah. technically correctly not correctly right. as in because I never say anyone sings incorrectly right. but technically right. um when they sing them from the throat but there's just, you have this wonderful rich rich voice which just um indicates the lung capacity you have and the power that you have behind behind it and as I said about um don't fail me now it's this wonderful wonderful control that you have over it um which you can then just flip off and completely break out into all manner of riffs whenever you want and the <laughs> control between your chest voice and your head voice um and your mm-hmm. range is extremely impressive as well you you have the sort of timbre of a of an alto almost at some points and then you quite easily flip up into a soprano range i mean it's it, it just absolutely it's, it's one of the best voices i've heard this year i have to say thank it's you abs- and, and i have guests on week in week out but it is it's one of the best voices I've heard on a record this year. I mean, were you taught to sing like that? Is 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 this due to training, or is were you just literally born like this with this massive <laughs> set of lungs? That, um, <laughs> as your mother said, "Oh, they're going to be singers because they're shouting away." Um, were you born <laughs> like it, or have have you had some formal training? Um, I've once again I've been very fortunate. Um, very early, I was around musicians and singers that knew what they were doing. So even though I didn't have classes per se, I learned very early how to breathe properly and how to, and and I was always experimenting with my voice. I was the kind of person who, if I was asked to sing anywhere, you tell me the song, I'll go learn the basic melody and I'm going to do whatever I want to do with it. I was never somebody to just regurgitate whatever I hear on a tape. So um, from there, over time, I just started to experiment with my voice because when I was younger, I was really primarily an alto and I learned how to use breath by just constantly singing and constant. And every time I go, oh, so that's how that happens. And then my range started to expand because my sister was a soprano and I think I sing higher than she does now. So it was just a matter of practicing and constantly 
evaluating what felt good and what didn't feel good and just constantly singing. I've had good teachers along the way in the sense of people who just point things out to me and observing how the greatest people do it. Um, of course, like, for example, Ella Fitzgerald is my queen worst thing in this concern and what she can do with her voice. You know, it always inspires me to like, I try to sing her songs mm. and match her. I started doing that a couple of years ago because of what she does with her voice, even just, just the way that she skips between like her intervals, just so wide and just the whole free she is with her voice. And I said, I wanted to have that kind of flexibility. So it's just practice over time, no real formal training. Um, and just trusting myself. Well, so, I mean, that's, I that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's quite phenomenal because you you sound trained to me. You absolutely sound trained. And I love the fact that Ella Fitzgerald is your your queen. My dad was a semi professional jazz musician, so when I was growing up, the house was constantly filled with jazz music, and he had a particular yeah. affinity with sort of the female vocalists. So I grew up yeah. listening to Billie Holiday, Sarah Vaughan, yeah. Ella Fitzgerald, um, always always around me, and that kind of um, that kind of defined my musical tastes over the years because oh. when, when I grew a bit older I moved I, I still listened to jazz but I moved away and straight into sort of soul so Gladys um, yeah. Knight Aretha Franklin um, yeah. and then, then on to sort of Mariah Carey and the bigger sort of um, more modern artists who I consider actually soul singers um, but yeah Ella, I mean Ella and the scat singing she used to do as well it's absolutely fantastic yes yes Definitely, definitely. Oh, one of my vocal exercises. Her, her song, um, All of Me, yep. is my go-to song for vocal training. If I want to just exercise and make sure that I'm hitting those notes, I sing that song. <laughs> I've learned from top to end, big detail, and I sing it every time I want to just make sure I'm on point. <laughs> That's some vocal warm-up, Sharita. Good yes, grief. it is. <laughs> Now, just moving on, you are also obviously you're part of the incredible, incredible, incredible Ghetto Youths family, um, headed yeah. up obviously by Mr. Damien Marley. Um, Stephen's involved as well. I mean, what is it like to be part of that? Because they are, I mean, they're so, so on point and absolutely on top of their game. And the, the, the roster of artists they have is fantastic. That must be quite something, no? Yes, it is. I mean, we. When it's when this project when conversations in key started out, I as I said it wasn't clear the vision wasn't very clear, and Sean and I knew we wanted to have um, wanted it to be as as great as we could, as it could be, and he said he suggested that we you know we let Gong hear the Damien hear the hear the project, and he played it for him and he was like yes you know this is something that we can get on board with, and we started out with a plan and. And the support has just been great so far. Um, even Stephen Marley was the one who actually helped us to put the songs in order. He listened and, you know, he gave his input on the project. And it was so encouraging. It made me feel so good. I felt <laughs> really proud of myself, his reaction to the, to the project and their encouragement. You know, it's been, it's been really great. They've been supportive. And, you know, just, just the fact that I have such, I mean, this is royalty. This is reggae royalty. I wouldn't just say reggae royalty. This is royalty hmm. right here. Because Bob Marley's name will forever live on. And to know that, you know, I can be a part of that greatness by sharing this project and having their support and, you know, they're pushing me to the world with all, all that they have and all, all they 
doors that they can open and, and so on. It's been really great. And I'm, I'm grateful that they're on board and that, you know, we'll have many successes together. I'm really, really grateful for that. I think you will have many successes with them. And, and it, <laughs> it just... Um... It inspires the confidence I already had in in what the Marley family are doing. Um, even more yeah. with the fact that they they have taken um this project with you in EP, which is predominantly, as I keep saying, R and B and soul, yeah. and run with it as well because right. obviously they're most known for the sort of reggae and reggae right, roots right. and revival side of things. But um, I mean, it's just it, it's it's such a it's a brilliant project for them to be involved in as well because it's completely expanding the scope of what they do as well and. Right. Oh, it's just absolutely fantastic 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 yeah. i mean of course what gay youths and the marley's more broadly are well known for is the fact their music is very conscious um right. there's always always messages within it be that political be that social be that environmental um i've i've do you know what i've had this debate a lot with artists recently actually the question sort of keeps coming up inadvertently so i thought i'd throw it to you as well i'm um, about yeah. about whether when you are a more conscious artist in terms of that there's then there always is a message behind a lot of the music and and that sort of faith and belief systems and your own moral compass sort of guides you in what you're writing as it were um there's this kind of it's 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 sometimes for a lot of us it's striking a balance between pushing out music that has a message and has a purpose and intention but also more chart friendly tunes to quite often draw listeners then into the music with a message i suppose i mean do you think in terms of the sort of the conscious music scene that it is important to be able to strike that balance between sort of to break it down hits that people can maybe bruck out to um and and, but music that holds social and political and relevance and um for us as a species and that has a message is is a balance necessary in that or should the message always be the guiding force within music do you think i think every creative person should be true to who they are first of all because Fame is not everything. Um, It doesn't necessarily bring you happiness. And the only thing that I think as a creative being, whatever it is that you're you're good at, is the only thing that would bring you true happiness is if you're, first of all, true to whatever it is you believe in. Hmm. Um, I don't personally think about charts and so on whenever I make music. I don't care because I think Whatever it is that I'm doing, I don't think any gift is given with, with without reason. I don't think that any seed is, you know, can be planted that cannot grow into something. So I just create whatever comes out of my heart and out of my soul. And I just believe the right people who are to listen to it or interested in listening to it. Of course, it takes money and marketing and all of these things. But at the end of the day, the right people who will want it will want it. There is enough. There's a lot of the... So, so to speak, broke out songs out there, and there's more than enough. But at the end of the day, after we have finished broken out and all of these things, we still have to come back to reality. We still have to deal with our problems. We still have to deal with our environment. We still have to deal with life. And I would like to think that what I am doing is is giving people perspective on all of those things. Of course, there might be a song that might come out that's more dance or you know just a happy vibe, which is fine because we all need that too. But um. I'm just being true to who I am, and if the charts will have me, yay! <laughs> and 
<laughs> exactly. I'm completely with you on that. I mean, I, I, if putting sort of an artist head on myself, I think I would struggle to put out tracks just for the sake of clicks yeah, and the sake of streams. Yeah. It messes with your creativity too, because well, for me it does. Because I've I've had that experience in the past where I've worked with producers. I mean, producers have told me I I care too much, and they get it that I'm a you know a brilliant writer and I'm you know very soulful and I have messages, but I care too much. There are more dumb people than smart people in the world. People have actually said this to me. That's bad. It, it, yeah, it, it and then you, you kind of get the thing like, am I doing the right thing? Do I really care too much? But then. I have to sit with myself and I have to feel what I feel in my soul and it feels good to me. So I don't care about that. I'm doing what feels good to me. And then we just put some money behind it. It will find its place. It will germinate somewhere and grow into a beautiful tree wherever it should. Absolutely. I completely, completely agree with you. I think I think there's something to be said for not kind of because the thing is as well, I mean, especially in terms of dancehall at the minute, it's so corporate driven a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's corporate, corporate driven. Um, it, it's it, it's. I mean, I, I, it's funny. I interviewed Yellow Man yesterday mm-hmm. um, and Karima his daughter um absolutely yeah. fa- absolutely fascinating interview and i mean and he kind of encapsulates over his 40 odd years this kind of journey if you like from doing dance straight dancehall slackness um which um then transformed into he's doing completely conscious work now apart from sort of the odd track which is which is a bit of fun um but it's just it's so corporate driven and i think it's almost sort of selling your soul if you like um, to constantly adhere to that but but I'm not an artist so and I can't speak for every single artist that's just my feeling I do yeah I do kind of I'm with you on that one I think absolutely and as you say if the divine intervention is right then people will find find your music for a reason so but if I may say um, it's not even I understand where Yenaman is coming from it's not even about like slack versus conscious mm. it is because we've even in Jamaica now like I only go to all these parties anything over probably mid 90s I'm not interested in really if I'm going to enjoy myself mm. But even even when the slack songs were done, when you have people like Shabarangs and all these artists, there was such there was still so much creativity in it that a legacy was left. I think what is happening now is that so many people are driven by money, so they're more interested in just getting money now, and they do things for shock value, and then they leave nothing behind. There's nothing that people can learn from. There's nothing you can grow from, because whatever kind of music it is, it doesn't matter whether it's the most conscious or the the least conscious, so to speak, as, as some would say, it's just what what is it that is a part of you, the true part of you that you are leaving behind? What can I find from this? If we're talking about being intimate with somebody, is it the whole create? Are you trying to just hurt the person and it's just rough or whatever? Or are you trying to tell paint a picture for me that I can still appreciate in a you know in a I guess you'd say a tasteful way or in a creative because in a creative way because. As a, as a writer, I appreciate creativity. Mm. So the song might not be the, the cleanest song, so to speak, but if I can say, wow, instead of him being explicit and saying this thing or that thing, he created a huge metaphor or something to, to still relay this very quote-unquote slap message. Mm. But there's no legacy. The legacies are dying. We don't have any artists right now, a lot of them that are, are sticking around to say, this is Jamaican, this is what we're doing, and this is what we're leaving for the world. And I think that is a bigger problem than the conscious slack song debate. 
I think it's an absolutely excellent point. I think you made it extremely well as well. Yeah, no, you're spot on because, as you say, what is what is the legacy and what have you changed or yeah. how have you inspired other people? How how have mm-hmm. you helped? I, suppose, I think it was Taurus. It was Taurus who was saying to me that he considers his music now to be a public service. A service to people it, oh, is, nice. is what he does. <laughs> um, it's, it's gone beyond making records. He he considers himself to be doing. A, it's a, he called it a public service. Um, and yeah. you're spot on. I mean, exactly. What what is the legacy? What are you leaving behind? There's what the Marleys. I mean, sum up so well because everything they do yeah. is driven by legacy, not least yeah. their father's legacy, but also the legacy they're creating. I mean, I've got I've got him coming on in a few weeks. Um, okay. and he's a, he's a wonderful example of the legacy continuing from. Yeah. From um, grandfather to father, now to son. Yeah. So, no, you're absolutely, I think you're on point with that. Absolutely on point. I mean, that brings me actually into sort of what I, I wanted to probe you about now, which is, of course, the revival movement, because the revival movement is um, very much sort of orientated, not least toward legacy. But also, what I love about the revival movement is it's almost this community. It is a community mm-hmm. where artists work with each other, they, they support each other, they help each other. And then also sort of on top of the revival movement, you've got this brilliant kind of community of female artists coming out now, yeah. all doing it sort of for themselves. They're breaking these industry damn norms, misogynistic yes. <laughs> norms, which have existed for years. Breaking that down, you've got um, yourself, you've got the likes of Zia Benjamin, you've got Tara mm. Harrison, you've got Leela Ike, you've got Savannah, you've got Raina yeah. Cole. I could go on, and this is the point, I could go on and on and on and on and on about how many yeah. amazing female artists there are. And that's, that's coming out in addition, in my opinion, to the revival movement, kind of separate to it. Again, this whole tranche of women doing it for themselves. I mean, do you, th- do you think that the revival movement is, is kind of in a good place? Because I think it's getting to, sort of towards the top of its game at the minute with with the way mm-hmm. the artists are developing i mean how what's your kind of view on on the revival movement i think the revival movement is great because i think they copied the template from you know a lot of past artists and, and groups where they'd always travel together and you know even on the sound system you have like 10 different artists on the same rhythm and they're you know so it's a support thing so this the top artist brings other people with him and you know affords other exposure exposure to the other artists Mm. and what i think they're doing more than anything else is pointing the world back to jamaica as a trendsetter in music because you know from hip-hop to you name it all these genres came out of our music and continue to be influenced by our music and for people somebody like chronics you know to to do what he's doing on the international stage to be featured on so many international shows and TV shows and that kind of thing. It, it, it reminds the world that we're here and that we are still doing great music. There's a lot of things you hear about Jamaica otherwise, but we're still doing great things. And for the ladies to be coming and stepping forward, as you said, they are breaking a lot of the norms and, and just being confident and being true to who they are. And I think it's a beautiful thing as a woman. Um, there's no doubt, you know, I support these ladies and I wish them well on their journey as I'm sure they're doing the same for me. And I'm looking forward to Jamaica becoming once again, you know, a, a capital in the world for, as I said, setting trends and for influencing music internationally. It's a great thing. 
Absolutely, amen to all of that. And yeah, I think I think the the movement of women that is that is coming out is is not being talked about enough either. They they're often getting sort of lumped in in some respects, just well, yeah. part of the revival movement. And it's not. It's completely. It's completely. When you really check it, yeah. it's completely different. It's it's something quite unique and quite about time as well, actually. Right. I think I think over time, as they as they find their own audiences and and settle into who they are, they will. I think it will change because these ladies are not ladies that you can ignore for their vocals, their just their abilities, their performance abilities. So they will find their way, and it will. It just takes time because, as you said, there's misogyny just brittle in this industry. So it's. I think it's coming to a place of balance, and eventually. We'll be shoulder to shoulder with the men. I'm, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, that, that's exactly the point. Shoulder to shoulder, not um, halfway down the man's chest, yeah. as, as in on an equal, equal footing. Absolutely. Sharita, I could chat for you, to you for hours. I could chat to you for hours too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm going to have to wrap this up. Which I'm, really, I'm quite annoyed about it, actually. I could, I could keep chatting to you for ages. You're an absolute star. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, but just to wrap up this interview, I mean, what's in store for the rest of the year? Obviously, you're going to be promoting conversations in mm-hmm. key. Any, anything else are you taking on the road? yet not yet mm-hmm. um i'd like to by the end of the year but definitely early 2020 if not by the end of the year but we are doing promotions we're finishing up videos and um and preparing some other um interesting things that i want to do in terms of exposing you know my music and, and that kind of thing okay. so i'll be working on a lot of things in studio and not just my studio like record video studios and that kind of thing too so it's it's going to be a very very creative remainder remainder of 2019. Excellent! I absolutely love the sound of that. My goodness, it has been a joy to speak to you, Sharita. I mean, as I as I keep saying, conversations in key is absolutely fantastic. All the links to download it will be in the show notes of this program. But it's a masterful piece of work, and and your voice is a a thing of supreme beauty. It's absolutely fantastic, and you're lovely to speak to as well. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast for the first time please come back again so we can chat some more i will i definitely will thank you but for the minute sharita thank you so much for coming on you're welcome thanks for having me i have to say that interview with sharita is up there with the best of the ones i've done my goodness she's absolutely fantastic i had such a interesting and great time speaking to her she's absolutely wonderful blow me away love her love her love her brilliant absolutely brilliant and of course conversations in key as i keep banging on about is absolutely stunning all the links will be in the show notes to download it i suggest you get yourself a copy now but for the meantime here is a taster of what is in store when you do listen to conversations in key This is the opening track from the EP. It's the one we spoke about where she gives this powerhouse performance, as you'll hear. This is Don't Fail Me Now by Sharita. Don't Fail Me Now. Oh, what a shadow of a life I used to live. Your love is a light into the dark you freely give. All I Please don't fail me now Cause on my own I might lose my way somehow 
And that is it. Another special episode of Top Lung Caged is done. I'd like to thank my fantastic guest, the incredible Sharita. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Sharita Sings. As always, behind the scenes, thank you to the love of my life, the gorgeous Nicola Jeffrey. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Nicola C. Jeffrey. My man behind the booth, sound engineer Gaff Pauls. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Pauls with AZ Radio. And my in-house singer, it's Ray Star Music. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Ray underscore star 113. Thank you to the Canary for uncaging me. I will see you very soon.
Uncaged.